walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won For you have never around these walls. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me For change to come, knowing the battles won, for you have never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faith. Hey! 
altars where you meet us take me there take me there if what you need is just an offering it's right here my life is here and I'll be a living sacrifice for you through a fire through a fire I wanna be consumed. I wanna be tried by fire. Purify. You take whatever you desire. Lord, is my life. If your glory wants to come in, let it fall. We want it all. Your fire is I'm 
have to unclasp our hands from, from these insecurities that we have over our own life so that he can take them and purify. So let's sing that just one or two more times. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, he is my life. I want to be tried by fire. Whatever. 
Jesus, we thank you for a time of being able to worship you and being your presence. We thank you for being 100% faithful, for revealing yourself. Jesus, you are already here. It wasn't like you showed up. You were already here, Lord, but you revealed yourself to us. Oh, what a blessing it is every time you do that, Jesus. Lord, we pray for Gabe as he, as he delivers whatever word that you've given him, Jesus. Yes, I pray that our hearts will be ready to receive the words from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, I thank you for joining us all here today. Lord, I uh, you know this is way outside of my comfort zone. And this is not something I'm accustomed to doing. But Lord, I thank you for pushing me to do it, pushing me outside of my comfort zone, and hopefully strengthening me. Lord, give me clarity as I speak tonight. Um, guide my words, help them to be useful. Does anybody in this room? Lord, I give you all the praise. So. Full disclosure, when Will, Will texted me Monday and asked me if I would speak tonight, and my first instinct was to tell him no. <laughs> so like, I was like, I'll pray about it. And then immediately when I sent that text, and when I said I'll pray about it, it was like, give me about 20 minutes to make an excuse. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, immediately as I did that, I felt the nudging that, you know, you need to go do this. Um, Moses came to mind first and foremost. Like Moses was called to, to lead and to speak, and he was terrified of it. He didn't like he didn't like to do it. He wasn't comfortable doing it. <clears throat> it was way outside his comfort zone. And that is where I'm at tonight. Uh, I don't really like to talk about myself too much. Uh, I don't like to um, to do these things. Uh, I, I thought about you know trying to come up with a lesson and things like that. I don't know the vibe of this this whole this whole thing you guys have gone on or been here. But uh, I felt it necessary to just kind of come come as I am and just kind of talk about my story. Say where I came from, where I'm at now, um, and hopefully it can hopefully it can be a blessing. Uh, so I'm Gabe. For those of I know most, I know everybody in here by name, but I don't know if I know you know your guys' story that much. Uh, I am I go to Harvest Chapel with these fine gentlemen here. My uh, <laughs> my upbringing. So my dad was a Nazarene preacher. Um, he preached actually at Davis Street Church in Nazarene down here in Portage. If you guys are familiar with that, he preached there for for a short time. Um, so with that, growing up as a preacher's kid, you're kind of labeled several things for several different people. When I was in the church, I'm labeled the preacher's kid. So you got to act like the preacher's kid. You got to walk. You got to you got to act like you know what you're doing, and you're, and you're and you're walking in line. And then when I go to school, I was labeled preacher's kid, preacher's kid for a while. You know, preacher's, preacher's kid's a bad one. So I uh, made sure I tried to live up to that reputation for quite some time. I did a pretty good job. Um, my, with being a preacher, because my dad preached at several churches. It's kind of a kid. I don't know if any of you are preacher's kids in here, but it's kind of like a military kid. So I don't know how many times you moved, but I moved about seven. So I was born in Ohio, and a year later we moved to Illinois. A year after that, we moved to Indiana. A year after that, we moved to uh, back to Ohio, a different place. And then we moved to Pennsylvania. And that's kind of where I'll get started. Is that, is that, I was in sixth grade when we moved to, to Pennsylvania. And um, it was, everything was kind of that the developmental years, feeling yourself out, trying to figure out who you are. Um, I, uh, I was very, very involved within, within our church. All the, church, all the youth group stuff, we had a good, very involved youth group. Um, trying to do everything perfectly 
as, as you should. Like the, my, I knew that as a preacher's kid, I was expected to live a certain type of way. I was going to, I was going to do that. When, when my friends, you know, sixth grade, the worst thing here is cussing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when they were cussing, I was like, I'm, I'm try to stay away from that. Even though I was kind of like, I wanted to be cool, I wanted to fit in. I, I try, I did my best to stay away. So I developed an identity when I was there, from sixth grade to tenth grade, to where I was. I walked a good line. I'm not gonna say that I was, you know, the greatest Christian out there, but I walked a good line. Um, I got really involved in basketball. I became pretty, I became pretty good at it. Um, had a real, uh, a good, I, you know, a good identity in that. Is kind of how I saw myself. It wasn't the identity of the Lord, but that's how I, uh, that's what I worked towards. It kind of kept me, it kept me in a good place. Um, and then the rug was pulled out from under me, and my dad decided to take church in Alabama. So I went from Bradford, Pennsylvania, which is about 40 minutes outside of Buffalo. We're getting hammered with snow yearly, snow up to your up to your neck, to deep, deep south Alabama, <laughs> where there couldn't be a more different culture. Um, we left on, it was a winter day, I don't remember what it was, what the exact day it was, but it was feet of snow and I drove, we drove down to Alabama, it was 75 degrees. Um, when I got there, my, the high school class I left was just under 300 kids, and the high school that I was put into had 23 kids in the class because down in Alabama, unfortunately, it still was there was quite a race, uh, there was a lot of racism, and it was it was very in your face and prevalent. Um, the black kids went to public school. The public school was known to be bad, and the white kids didn't go there. We all went to private school, so we went. So I went to a private school, and I had 23 kids to select as my my group of friends <laughs> um having nothing in common with them not a thing i was i was they made fun of the way i talked i thought the way they talked was crazy <laughs> they'd say i'm fixing to do this i'm fixing to do that i said i want to pop they had no idea what it was if you want a pepsi or a coke you know everything was everything was upside down in my world so i was more lonely than i'd ever been in my life and knowing what i should have done which would just seek the lord and stay consistent with the, with what I was doing when I was in Pennsylvania. I, I, in that loneliness, I decided to go the other way. And in Alabama, the drinking culture is strong. And um, so in the 10th grade, we, first basketball game there, it was a pretty successful basketball game. Let's go party. So we went party and I started, I started drinking pretty heavily with them um and it continued and waterfalled into my entire to my entire high school i would i would go um before practice we'd go down the creek and we'd get slammed and i'd come in blatantly drunk and the coaches knew it but alabama culture's like everyone does it i mean it is what it is like if you do it they would shame me a little bit but there was no there was no um there was no trying to correct my mom um so I went through I went through those two years of high school knowing in my in my head the whole time the only reason I'm doing this is for acceptance from the from my peers, acceptance from the world. I knew it. It was always prevalent in my mind. However, I pushed that, that voice back as far as I could because the acceptance is more important to me. The acceptance of the world and the acceptance of, of my peers was far more important to me than you know my relationship with the Lord. And I would always find a reason to justify it in that 
my dad moved me down here. I was good back home. I was set. I had it. I had it figured out. My friends liked me for who I was. I I was I was who I am, and, and that was accepted for that. I come here and I have to start over as a 16 year old kid um, in a very limited pool of people to to associate with. So I I, I continued that as my identity. That became who I am. So I became Gabe, the guy who played basketball, and was pretty good at it, and uh, partied with the best of them. Tried to hook up with every girl I saw. Like I tried once. Once you start making one bad decision, the rest of the bad decisions follow. And I decided that I was going to be that was going to be my identity. I was going to be the cool Gabe, not the Gabe that I should have been. So that carried over into college. Um, I went to uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Mount, Mount, Mount Vernon Nazarene College at the time it was in 2001. I uh, went there to play basketball, and um, I was pretty focused on that. You know, that was kind of where I was at. I, I was like, I made, I, I accomplished a goal that I wanted to do, was, was play college basketball. And before the first practice, the Lord took my knee from me. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I was going, going to guard a guy, jumped up, my knee, my ankle did not twist when it should have, and my knee decided to go a different direction. And I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus, so everything was gone. Um, I uh, knew basketball was not going to happen at least that year, and so I decided I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to Columbus, Ohio, and I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. And I, I, I lived it up for that for that year, and I lived it up hard. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a drink I wouldn't drink, um, and it I, class of course fell to the wayside, and I failed out. So I come home quite humbly, but of course I wouldn't tell my parents the real reason why I fell out was just because you know I wasn't ready, wasn't ready for college dad. I needed I needed to I needed to stay. I should have took the year off, blah blah blah, things to say. Um, and but the more so, it was just out of my shame, and I stayed in the identity that I had developed for myself, and that I got comfortable with is that I'm going I'm going I'm going to live with this world. I'm going to partake of everything that comes with it because it was fun and it was good. Um, and took a year off school, just worked, did my thing, um, and ended up getting a second chance through my brother, ironically enough, my, my youngest brother, Zach, he went to what was at the time Circleville Bible College. Um, and they had a basketball team, and uh, it was, he's like, why don't, you come up, why don't you just come over here and play with the guys, see if you like it. It was like barely college basketball. You know, like it wasn't NAIA, like what it was in Mount Vernon, it was like NCCAA. It was barely college basketball. I was like, all right, I'll come play. So I came played and was persuaded to like come in, to come to the school and play basketball there. So I um, I was going. It was a very strict school. Uh, I had long hair at the time, <laughs> here, and I was I had to cut it. You had to cut it above your ears. I cut it just enough. It looked like a bullet. Ironically, I looked stupid. <laughs> but um, I, I cut my hair, did the thing. Had to wear khakis to school today, a collared shirt, all the stuff. I hated every minute of it. Um, I was very much kind of in that rebellious mode. Um, and it, back to the identity thing, in that rebellious mode, that became my identity at Mount Vernon. Some people, or not Mount Vernon, but uh, Circleville, some people found that appealing. Some people were kind of drawn to that because they were feeling the same way. And so in my rebellion, I led a different rebellion to where we would, any rule that, that Circleville had, we would break. We would stay out past the curfew. We would we would be in the places we shouldn't be. We would do all the things we shouldn't do. And um, 
it led me down a path to where things got progressively more wild. Um, started experimenting with drugs. Um, just a number of things started to happen. However, in the back of my mind, there was always that there was always that voice in my head like this just isn't this isn't you. I never felt truly comfortable in that. Thankfully, thank God, that's the thing I thank God for the most is that I never felt truly comfortable. Like while I enjoyed the, the pleasures uh, that came with it, can't, I will not lie about that. There was time. There's times you had that were amazing. I can honestly say the Lord was always saying, this isn't you, this isn't you. And so there would immediately be a guilt afterwards. Um, and it stuck with me through the entire time. So my junior year, a girl walks into the school and, okay, here we go. And go up to her, uh, they sit and she was sitting down like in the library and want to talk to her, we ended up going on a date. And she changed everything, and she changed everything about me. It was my wife with me. Um, she was coming out of a more rebellious stage herself. Her dad was a, her dad was a, had also been a preacher. Um, her parents were were similar to mine, um, and she was ready to stop the ways that she was doing, and she expected that of me. Um, and I was willing to do that for her. Um, it took some time before I truly fully did that and she was patient with me thank god but it pulled me out of it um and it pulled me out of the head the, the heavier stuff um so I, I i thank god for that every day um she she and i ended up staying together a couple breaks here and there mainly because of my stupidity um but that we we stayed together we were together about two years got engaged and got married we've been here 14 years so that's not the end of the story, but that was kind of the starting point of God gradually guiding me to where I'm at today. Um, he, Whitney has pushed me to become not stagnant and, and just kind of staying in the same place. I uh, had a tendency, I had a tendency back then to be very much like, oh, I got a job, it's good, it's paying enough, I'll stay in here, I'll do, I'll do what I'm doing. Um, and she's like, you're better better than that. You have more potential than that. You, you are, you are better, you're a better person than what you're giving yourself credit for. Um, so I would find myself doubting myself like that I, that I could do some things, but she, she pushed me one day to uh, apply for a job in, in the foster care agency. I had a degree in psychology out of, uh, out of, high, out of college. I went and worked at a residential facility for youth and, and was used to working with youth that found themselves in quite a bit of trouble. Um, and was good at it. I don't know how I was good at it, but I was just naturally kind of good at that that thing. Um, I could relate to the kids, probably because I was better delinquent than they were, because the worst side of the delinquents, the ones that gets caught, and they were always caught, and they were always in, and they were always in trouble for it, so therefore they were placed. I did the same. I did the same things. I never got caught, so I was a better delinquent than them, and so therefore I could see what they were doing what they were going through and somewhat relate to them. I couldn't relate to their backstory as far as the trauma that they've been through and their family stuff, because I had an incredible family. Um, but I could see through their crap and see where they were going and stuff. So all that happened, Whitney got a job in West Virginia as a nurse. It paid more than what I was making at the time. So we moved here and I ended up getting a job with an agency where I staffed uh, in home care. It's the easiest job I've ever had in my life. Just sit at a desk and make phone calls and try to staff open cases. 
and it was not pushing me. It, it was, it was just easy. It was just, it was just work where you just sat there, you numbed out of the computer, and you, it was thoughtless, it was mindless. Um, and when you have, and when you're not in your calling, which we'll kind of, I'll get to here in a minute with what I'm doing now, you, uh, it wasn't that I got back, I didn't get back into like all the stuff that I was in before, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing all that other stuff, but I had no relationship with the Lord, I was just kind of doing whatever, you know what I mean? Like, life was easy, because I wasn't, or life was, life was easy at the time, but it wasn't challenging me to do, to do what I, to, to better myself and put me in a position to where I was where I would be um, at today. And um, so Whitney finally got sick of it and was like, there's a job, you have a degree, you have a degree in psychology, you have experience in, what, in working with a certain type of kid, why don't you uh, apply for other jobs? And so I finally did, and I ended up actually taking a job doing what John's doing now, and it took a little bit of a pay cut at the time, but it got my foot in the door to get back to where my calling was, which I come to find out was working with youth that found themselves on hard times. Um, so I worked foster care agency for, for about two for about two years and then took a job as an in-home facilitator for, for a place called, well it's a, it's a program called Safe at Home where I would go in and work with families who were uh, having struggles with their child whether that be through truancy or just found themselves in, in trouble in the court system and they, and they needed somebody to come in and kind of help the family. So I would go in, work with the family to get them set up financially, get them set up um, just with uh, in-home services such as counseling, parenting, things like that, and then work one-on-one -on -one with the kid and kind of mentor them. Um, as I was doing that, I felt better than I've ever felt in my life as far as the fulfillment that you get when you're doing something that you truly feel called to do. So as I was doing that, I was had a had a case that was seemed a little weird at the time. Like there was something going on. And the kid had had told me the day before I this this event that I'm about to tell you about happened. Uh, he had been looking at what he called. He said I've been looking at porn and it's rape porn. Rape porn. So I was like, where'd you hear that? He's like, well, I was at a treatment facility in, in Florida and people were talking about rape. I like porn, and I put the two together because he, he was pretty low. He was low functioning, um, and uh, he's like, I, I ended up looking, I looking, looking it up, and I had no idea how to handle it at the time. I didn't know what to say, what to do. Um, I reported it to his probation officer, and he's like, okay, it's not really much you can do when somebody just reports that, you know. Just kind of. But the very next day, his, his parents called me, and they're a mess, and he had. Taken his 12-year-old niece, not 12-year-old, I'm sorry, she was nine, nine-year-old niece, down the road, punched her in the face, choked her unconscious, and raped her. And the guilt that I felt, because the day before he was like, I felt like he was telling me, this is what I'm going to do. Like he was, he was telling me, I watch rape porn. Um, he, once he did that, I, I, everything in me fell out because I felt like I, I missed something. I didn't do enough. Uh, it wasn't, there's something that I should have done. Um, and uh, I was the first person to report to the scene. I saw him, I saw the girl. The girl dances with my daughter, ironically enough, so I've seen her, I know her. Um, and it took the life out of me to where I thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can 
do this job and work in this, this field anymore. Um, and I seriously contemplated and contemplated just going back to like old kind of jobs that I had and just not doing this stuff anymore. Um, and as I was, as all that was going on every day, I was thinking about it, I was beating myself up thinking I missed it. I'm the reason that this little, this happened to this little girl. I, uh, I was looking for other jobs outside of the, outside of this. And I was, I was about done. Just didn't know, I, I didn't know what I didn't do anymore. And then I got a call about a job opening at the Supreme Court. And I was like, I, within the Division of Children and Juvenile Services. And I was like, I don't know if I even want to do this anymore. Why would, why would this opportunity be given to me right now? When I, I just messed up a good, I felt like I messed up a really bad case. I've had to really come to terms with that. That wasn't my fault what happened. But at the time I felt like this is, I messed this up. I didn't, I didn't, there's something that I didn't do right. Why would I be given an opportunity like this at this time? Um, but I, but I trust the Lord and I went through and went through it forward the interview and because I had no ambitions of getting this job and because I had no um, just like I kind of went in with a carefree attitude I had a very like the best interview I've ever had in my life it was 100% the Lord just like kind of the words coming out of my mouth guiding me on what to do I uh it, it, was, it, it was it was about as good as you could do on an interview to my own um and I got up from the meeting, the, the director of the division said, we'll be in touch. And they, before I even pulled into my driveway at home, and I interviewed in Charleston, I lived in, I lived in Polka. I was, it was a 25 minute drive. I pulled in, they called and offered, they offered me the job. It's, and it's a, it's, it, it's a pretty significant job in, in the world of what I do. Um, and since then I, I've had to do a lot of reflection on like why does the Lord put you, why does the Lord continue to put me in places that I don't feel I deserve? Like I've lived there, I've done a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing, and then I get the girl, I get a girl I don't deserve. Um, I, did, I do some, I don't feel, I feel like I don't do a good enough job at the job I was doing prior, I get a better job. Um, I say all that to say the Lord is going to, continues to put me in places that I don't always feel comfortable in, and I don't always feel I deserve, such as tonight. I don't feel like I am a good enough speaker to be speaking to you guys. Um, however, an opportunity was given to me. I feel like I should be, I should be doing it. Um, the Lord is constantly working in ways that we don't see and putting us in situations to help us grow and to strengthen us and to make us better. Um, I Harvest Chapel's conception happened between a couple families, um, and for whatever reason, I was asked to be involved in that. And I was, for life of me, like, I'm not a speaker like Corey. You know, I'm not a speaker like Brad. I don't play music like like uh, Daniel does. Um, I, I'm not as outgoing and just as good as, of a, as a ministry person as Ryan is. I was like, where's my role? Like, why am I being asked to be, to be in this? Um, and Brad and everybody agreed that I should be. Um, and it took, it's taken a lot of time for me to figure out where am, where is my role within this church? Why was I asked to be a part of this? And, you know, the, as we go along in our journey at Harvest, I think it is just to be an encouragement to other people, to be, to be that side, to be that person who's, 
insecure enough in themselves to be able to identify those things and to talk to other people about it and then encourage other people to strive in what they're doing. Kyle's done an amazing job in the things that he's done with, with the youth thus far. And uh, I, I just couldn't be happier with that. And I feel like my role a lot of times is just encouraging him and making sure that he understands he's supported in that work and that he's gonna, um, he's gonna thrive in these roles. Um, sometimes it's to, you know, to be the person who <laughs> tells Brad he's a little crazy. Like you gotta calm, let's calm down for a minute. Some of these ideas are a little nuts, you know what I mean? And like and calm everything down. And so go, say all that to say, everybody has a role within the, within the kingdom. It's not always the person who's, who's the loudest, who's the best speaker, who's the best singer. There's, there's other roles within, within ministry and within uh, the kingdom that are a little more quiet behind the scenes. Um, I don't know if this has helped anybody. I don't know. To, you know. I just wanted to be able to be faithful to God and to come here and speak tonight. Come and speak. Get, get outside my comfort zone. So if you take nothing else away from what I'm saying, is that just just obey God, listen to Him. Uh, don't try to come up with an excuse to not come speak and tell tell someone of a story just because you don't feel comfortable with it. Um, I did it tonight. Uh, Again, it's not, it's not the thing I feel the most comfortable with, and I don't know if this reached to anybody, um, but it has, uh, I've been obedient. Yeah. And uh, I know that some of you guys are in a stage of life that I was once in to where uh, identity is more so, it's a constant battle of identity of, am I of the world or of God? And, and, and sometimes the lines are blurred. Um, and just know that myself, I'm sure Ryan will speak to it, and Kyle will speak to it. Like, I'm constantly developing, constantly getting better at, and, at figuring out what is, what's the right way to go. And uh, God's always there. Just trust with it. Just trust the little nudges that he gives you, the little, the little, um, just the words that he puts on your heart. Like I said, the first thing that came to mind when Will asked me to speak with Moses, and I was like, you know, he, he was known to be a guy who just was not good at public speaking. He would say it, and he's one of the greatest leaders the Bible has. So um, that's really all I got. I'm happy to. Uh, I hope this is more interactive. I hope we can talk a little bit after this. And uh, but uh, I appreciate you guys asking me to come do this. You know, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's definitely encouraging. And like you said, a lot of us are, you know, in those stages where we're trying to blend our, you know our identity in Christ into the workplace, which can be challenging at times with yes. certain groups of people, especially for me, I work in construction and some pretty rough guys. And so it can be, it can be a, it can be hard sometimes, but yeah, no, I seriously appreciate you coming and speaking even when you don't want to. That's usually when you know it's, the Lord's going to help you. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll say, I'll say that I, I definitely needed it because, you know, you were talking about how like, you feel like you're not always doing enough and sometimes you almost lose desires of things that you did want to do and then you gain desires that you do want to do but you also have that voice in the back of your mind the whole entire time telling you like this is what you're supposed to do so i i i needed to hear that you know like hey you don't always have to just question just continue to live and he'll, yeah. he'll direct you in places where you need to be i mean it's truly that's as i as i As I just go through life now, yeah. it makes it so much easier when 
if you just give everything to the Lord, it makes it easier to not have to parse things out. Like, how hard is it to like say, I'm going to give, if I'm giving something away, like well, I'm giving, I don't know, I can't think of anything, but if I'm just giving, I have to think about something that I'm giving if I'm just giving a little bit of it. If I'm just giving a little bit of it, I got to think, I'll give them 20 bucks, not 40 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if I have 50 bucks in my pocket, here's 50 bucks. It's easier just to give that to them and easier just, that's more thoughtless than it is to think about how much I should give. And that's how I see things with the Lord. It's like, especially lately, it's like, give everything to him. It's just, just, it makes life so much easier for a person who overthinks like I do and overanalyzes things and is hard on himself a lot of times. And like, I don't feel like, I'm, if I don't feel like I've done enough at work, if I don't feel like I've done enough at home with my kids and, or if I don't feel like I've done enough with my wife, like it's that constant battle of like, you, I don't know if I'm parsed out enough of my time, but if I give everything to the Lord and trust him, He's going to make sure that all those things are taken care of, um, and that's a stress that's off. My, that's a big stress that's come off my back as, I, as I've gotten better at doing that. I haven't always been good at that, um, clearly, as I've stated. But as I, especially the past you know, few years, I've gotten a lot better. At just like, okay, just Lord, you take it yeah. tonight. I know some of the stuff I, that when I was saying it come out like vinegar, but I did it. You know what I mean? And then we get to have these conversations, and it makes me feel more comfortable. Yeah. You know, things things get better. Um, just trusting the Lord and giving him everything we got. Yeah. It makes life so much easier and so much less stressful. Yeah. Well, one thing that I, I've encouraged me is that, like, the job part of it is where it's like you you do a job where it's like, nah, it might be challenging or it may be challenging. And what it just encouraged me to know that, like, hey, even though the basketball league, you know, that's that's a, a job for me, it's also a ministry, so I can't take that for granted. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I do, and sometimes we do take it for granted, but it, it still is a ministry. So I, I can't necessarily just be like, hey, you know, this is a lot of work, and I don't want to do it all the time. But I also have to remember that, you know, this is something that the Lord has given us to do to, you know, bring forth the gospel and, you know, try to win souls. So it's, it's definitely a ministry. Absolutely. I had to get up and get my phone because my, one of my memories today is uh, Joe Young shared this and then I shared it. Uh, it says, a yes-to-money, which is a testimony created by stepping out in faith and obedience to the Lord and seeing the result of your yes. And a lot of times that's all that God wants is us to just step out and say yes. You know, you've called me to do this and, you know, you've asked me to do this. <laughs> It may be uncomfortable. It may take you out of your comfort zone. But you say yes, and then you, you get to see the testimony that comes out of that. And, you know, I think the beautiful thing, you know, you talked about um, your job. And you're like, how did I get to this position? How did I get to this position? I messed up. I messed, you know, I didn't, it felt like I didn't do this right. But that's just another example of God's grace on our lives. Like, uh, none of us deserve really anything that we have or that we get. But because God loves us so much and, you know, he puts us, you know, I can say the same thing. There's positions at work that I've gotten that, like, you know, typically require, you know, a four-year college degree. I dropped out of college and, uh, you know, but God's, if God wants you somewhere, you're going to be there. Yep. And, you know, you know, and I believe, you know, sometimes that's just the result of your yes and your obedience to you know and your willingness that God says okay well he's a faithful servant you know yeah. he may have messed up you know but he's faithful mm-hmm. and uh, 
Attorneys over here and the judge over here, and like, and they're asking my insights. Like, why would you want my opinion? I'm not an attorney. I have a four-year degree in psychology. You know, like, here's why. Why is my opinion valued? Um, and but the Lord has put you in a put me in a position to where not only do I am I valued in in my job, but the kids that I'm directly assisting with. There's been differences made. I can't like speak to them from a you know, like we're talking now, of course, there's, there's guidelines that you can't talk about religious things when, when I'm within my work. But I, get to, but I get to be an example and put them into a better situation than what they're at. And to me, that's, that, that's as much of a ministry as what I can be doing. Um, yeah, again, I, if I did, I, I really appreciate you guys letting me do this tonight. Mm-hmm. It sells out of my comfort zone. If it helped anybody, it probably helped me the most. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, having that, being able to come in here and say, say yeah. yes and do the things that I have that I'm not always comfortable doing, it's uh, it's beneficial. I think another beautiful thing I've had like a sore Joseph kind of on my mind all day today, mm-hmm. but you know Joseph, <laughs> it was just clear that God's favor was on his life, you know, mm-hmm. no matter where he went, you know, and and I believe that's because God knew that this is somebody I can trust. He got put in this position. He's gonna, he's gonna do the right thing. He's gonna make the right decision. That's gonna honor me. And you know, you said like judges are asking your opinion, but they're asking Gabe and the Holy Spirit's opinion that's yeah. because he knows, you know, your relationship with him. Yeah. My, uh, my papa, my dad always told me that the reason so many people look up to you and come to you for advice is because there are people before you that prayed that you would be ten times wiser than all of your peers. And that you would be put in those leadership positions, and you know it's it's those prayers of those those people that we don't even think of, mm-hmm. and then that's why that we're in the places and the spaces that we're at. Yeah, come and, on. And we we tend to forget, you know, that there are generations upon generations that pray for grandchildren and great grandchildren and you and me, like, and that's why we're in those places because they didn't have that. They didn't have like a leader to look up to. They didn't know who to go to, and that's why we're we're there. And, and I feel like we. We tend to forget that, and we tend to also pray for, we forget to pray for the next generation to also have those opportunities as well. Yeah, I think too, you know, like, um, think about in the Bible, like, how many times did we read in the Bible, you know, like, they'd be like, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar brought Daniel before him. Mm-hmm. Who was Daniel? He was nobody, except for somebody that loved the Lord. Yeah. You know, and uh, so the Lord will will put you in places that uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't ever imagine or you wouldn't really be think of yourself but yeah. you know the prayers and you know that just shows the power of God like mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was a while back they were talking about oh maybe it's you know Lynn House I'm not you know going to meet the the president of the United States or somebody you know it's like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah All right. Yeah, I'd say definitely encouragement for me because I'm in this part where like I love my job, but like I don't think this is what I'm called to do for my whole life. Like I, I believe that there's more, but I'm also at a point where like I know I'm not the, <laughs> where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> 
but it's like I know what he's calling me to do now while I'm here. And it's mm-hmm. like now, like, am I actually just going to obey or not? Like, yeah. No, unfortunately, not going to obey. Yeah, probably about 75 miles a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of just like encouraging to me, like even like it doesn't make sense, like what I believe he's calling me to, like what I'm doing really don't, in my opinion, don't really line up. But it's like, I just know, like you're saying, like just obey. Just, you know, just, obey. just shut up and obey. <laughs> your, your obedient yes is someone's yes to heaven. Yeah. And that's, that's what my papa used to say all the time. If you say yes and be obedient to the Lord, then that yes will end up turning somebody's yes to heaven. I think uh, stay faithful no matter where you're at. And I just sent this to a friend the other day. Uh, only those who are willing to risk their life will gain it. And, you know, like, the Bible talks about us dying to ourselves and dying to our flesh. And, you know, we're willing to, to, to put ourselves out there and to do these things, you know. We'll see, you know, challenge yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. 